Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Hebrew poetry is not like our poetry that rhymes in words. Hebrew poetry rhymes in ideas. So in Hebrew poetry, the three statements in verse two, go ahead and look at it, all rhyme together. They have different words, yet they sound the same. In other words, to say the Lord is holy is to say he is completely set apart and unique and not like any other. So when she continues in the same verse and says, for there is none beside you, she is saying the same thing in different words. When she says, nor is there any rock like our God, again, she is saying the same thing in different words. So her point is, God is so great, there is no one, not one, in all the universe who is compared to him. Did you get that? Verse three, Hannah is thinking of God's greatness and awesomeness. Please look at verse three. She says, talk no more so very proudly, like let no arrogance come from your mouth. The Hebrew reads, the proud will be better off if they just shut up. (laughs) Y'all need to write that down. Give it to a friend. (laughs) Don't talk. She's thinking people are bragging and arrogant and they don't know anything. The Lord is the God of knowledge and that's a great reason not to talk because you don't know anything. And maybe she's thinking of Penina again. (laughs) And others who mocked her and ridiculed because she was barren in verse seven, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. I think of Deuteronomy 8.18. I have it for you on the screen. And you shall remember the Lord your God. Do I have it for you on the screen? Or did I I send that verse? Uh, Somebody stick your head out and say no. I did not. I don't have it for you on the screen. Deuteronomy 8.18, write it down. And listen to me, Deuteronomy 8.18. Write it down, listen to me. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swears to your fathers as it is to this day. God is the one who gives the power to get wealth. Say amen. And this verse is often, Deuteronomy 8.18 if you've ever listened to me, look at me. If you've ever seen a share-a-thon, a praise-a-thon, a beg-a-thon, if you've ever seen one, you've heard this verse. You've heard this verse. The Lord gives you power to get wealth. And they talk about it in context of seed offerings. This verse was given by God to Israel to tell them, don't forget the Lord. When everything is fine and our lives are filled with abundance, it's easy to think my power, my strength, my brains have gained me wealth. Don't forget, it's God who gave you the body, the health, the talent to get wealth. 
Then God reminds them why God blessed them, that he may establish his covenant. In other words, that you might further the kingdom. Now, remember I told you that there were incredible similarities in Mary's prayer and Hannah's prayer. I want you to look carefully at the parallels and expressions, and I do have that for you on the screen. I know I have that. I know I have that. Look at the parallels here. I want you to see Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel 2 and Mary's prayer in Luke chapter 1. Hannah says in verse 1, my heart exalts in the Lord. Actually, I'm reading from the King James Version for this. Uh, My heart exalts in the Lord. I rejoice in thy salvation. And Mary says in Luke 146, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You see the parallels Uh, in verse two. There is none holy like the Lord. Verse 49 of chapter one of Luke. Mary said, holy is his name. Verse four, the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Verse 52 of of Luke 1, Mary said he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. Uh, Verse 5, those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. In verse 53 of Luke chapter 1, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. So you can see the parallels there. Notice in verse 11, we need to move forward. Look at verse 11 in 1 Samuel 2. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child, what did he do, saints? Minister to the Lord before who? Eli the priest. In other words, Samuel was ministering under the supervision of Eli. Now I'm sure that during this time, Samuel is in priest school, not preschool, (laughs) priest school. He's learning the scripture, learning the Hebrew, learning the history, ministering and doing the things that they would allow him to do. And then look at verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Would you please underline that? The sons of Eli were corrupt. The pastor's children were corrupt. And they did not know the Lord. Now, I could actually preach a sermon right from there, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to let you marinate. Think about that tonight. The priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. And then he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or the pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also before they burned the fat, the priest's servants would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, no, but you must give it now. And if not, I'll take it by force. 
Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now, let me explain. There is a sharp contrast here. Hannah knows God intimately, but the sons of Eli were corrupt and he had no knowledge of the Lord at all. The sons of Eli were corrupt literally means the son, write it down. It literally means the sons of Eli were sons of the devil. Sons of Belial, actually, you'll find it in the Hebrew. B-E-L-I-A-L. Sons of Belial. Belial was a pagan god and wicked and worthless. So this could read, Eli's sons were wicked and worthless. And one of the reasons God said they were wicked and worthless because of the way they were handling the sacrifices that people brought to the temple. When people brought their sacrifices, are you listening? When people brought their sacrifice, the priest servants or the servants of Hophni and Phinehas, okay, would take what they wanted out of the boiling pot that had the sacrifice in it. They would put the hook in and draw out whatever they wanted wrong. Leviticus chapter 7, Exodus chapter 29 makes it clear the priests were to take the shoulder or the right breast. The fat belonged to God. Say amen. amen. The fat belonged to God. Because the fat was considered the best part. So they were to give the first fat and the best fat to the Lord. Also in their pride, Hophni and Phinehas took their portion before they burned the fat for God. So they were taking raw meat. Why? Maybe they wanted to barbecue later. I can't blame them. Barbecue is better than boiled. Say amen. amen. But God said it was to be boiled. Or maybe they were taking it so it would be easier to sell and pocket the money. So these boys would have their servants get the sacrifice from the person. And if the person said, well, I know you're supposed to be offering to God the fat, then the priest was to say, look, give it up or I'll beat you up. And take it by force. Now, what's interesting to me is, and this just occurred to me today. I've read this before. Never occurred to me before. The common Joe, the common everyday Joe knew the law. This is the common person bringing their offering in obedience to God. The everyday Joe knew the word enough to say, hold on, the fat belongs to God. Very interesting. They knew the law. They knew how things were supposed to happen in the temple. They knew the fat belonged to God. Now listen, when the fat was burned, get this, you'll love it. When the fat was burned, it would produce a sweet-smelling savor ascending up to the Lord. So with these guys refusing to offer the fat, they were destroying a beautiful picture and holding the sacrifice in contempt. There's some heavy stuff in here. Look at verse 17. The sin of these young men were very great because they abhorred the offering of the Lord, which was a shadow of Christ. 
It was Eli's responsibility to ensure that his kids are doing what's right. Many times people put their kids in Christian schools so the school can teach their kids what's right and wrong and biblical. Listen, no amount of Christian school is going to give them something that God has designed for them to receive at home. Am I right about it? It's a futile exercise. Listen, it is a futile exercise to try and give to children something outside the home that isn't being upheld in the home. Again, let's stop shouting no prayer in school until there is prayer in the home. And when there is prayer in the home, after I say this, I want you to clap. After, after there is prayer in the home, then you will not be able to stop prayer in school. No prayer, no prayer in school. I can't believe these people, these evil, ungodly, corrupt, sons of Belial school system. For real. For real. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. You never pray at home. Never. Oh, except on meals. Uh, Lord bless the food in Jesus' name. Amen. Like my eating sound. <laughs> you never pray. But, oh, there's no prayer in school. There's no prayer in school. Listen, stop stomping your feet about no prayer in school until the kids start to see that there's prayer in the home. And when the kids see that there's prayer in the home, you can't stop prayer in school. How you want to stop what's going on in the heart? You can't regulate the heart. That is true. Okay, we got more to cover. Verse 18, if you're looking at it, say amen. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. That's so cute. I just got to get the picture of Samuel, like little Samuel running around with like a little linen ephod on, looking like a little priest with a little yarmulke. This is so cute to me. This is really cute. Look at verse 19, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah. I will underline that. I'll tell you why in a minute. The Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and she bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord in the midst of all the insanity and sin. When Hannah had invested in this little boy for three to four years, that she had him, and she weaned him, and then she took him to the temple in Shiloh, what she invested and those three, and f- three to four years had an impact. He's managing to stay close to the Lord. Get the scene. Samuel's running around the temple wearing a little priest outfit. Hannah and Elkanah would come to Shiloh for the yearly sacrifice, which is about 15 miles. Hannah brings Samuel a new garment every year because the kids outgrow the jeans really quickly. Amen. And I would bet that Hannah got there more than once a year to see little Sammy. She probably did. Be not deceived. Moms have a profound effect on their children, even today. You know, we live in a culture where lots of families are what we call 
blended families in our culture is very common. And can I share something with you? Somebody once said, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. That is so true. It's true in the family as well. If you're in a blended family, it is critical that the mom is in support, that the mom is, is the one that's, that's kind of driving the family and keeping things together, the mother of those children. Because if the mother of those children in any way give any hint of uh, division or any hint of a lack of unity or any hint of these are my kids and not your kids, I'm trying to help you. These are my kids and not your kids. If there's any hint of that, there will be division in the home and the blended family will not work. It won't work well. That responsibility is critically on the mother of those children. I know what I'm talking about because we have a blended family. When I married my wife, she had three children. And I was only nine years older than the oldest, 10 years. Was I 10 years older than the oldest? 10 years older than the oldest. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, I can't tell you how many times you can feel it because you know what? You got to keep in mind, kids are sinners. Mm-hmm. Kids are sinners. You know what I say, call them for dinner. Come on down to eat, you little sinners. <laughs> okay. And, you know, try to, you know what, uh, you know, you know, you're not my real dad because their father was killed in a car accident so many, many years ago before I met Elvira. And it was very critical so many times where she would say, Rodney, or that man, because she always made him call me dad or father, because nobody, no child calls me Rodney. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm from the old school, y'all. Forgive me if you don't agree. It's go- you're going to be all right. And, uh, but no child calls me by my first name. That's just the way I roll. Okay. But she would say, that man, your father is going to be the only father you ever have. So you're going to respect, and she always stood with me. Even if she didn't agree with me, she always stood with me in front of those children. And then we talked about it later, because if not, it would be chaos. There would be no understanding of authority, no understanding of unity, no understanding of leadership, no understanding of proper home structure. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. That is critical, moms, that you be that one to steer that relationship when there is a blended family um, in question. So very important. Hannah would visit Sammy, and I'm sure she had prayed with him yearly, maybe more, 
I'm confident she would encourage him and give him motherly advice. Mothers are powerful. Say amen. Amen. Fathers are powerful. Say amen. amen. Both are critical in the home. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Well, two mommies work just as good as a mom and a dad. Not right. Not true. Not true. Doesn't work. Two daddies doesn't work. Don't get me wrong. We're not talking about the issue. I'm just talking about the family unit and what works and what doesn't work. And how God has designed things. Mothers have a very powerful influence over their children. And I'm sure that Hannah would go and visit with Sammy and she would sit with him and he probably would say, Mom, Mom, Eli is doing some stuff. Mom, Hophany and Phineas, they are bananas. I I can't believe these, these guys, they're mean, Mom. And Hannah probably would say, well, son, just just look to the Lord. Just trust the Lord. Look at verse 21. I had you on the line. The Lord visited Hannah. I want to ask you, do you think of conception this way? Do you think of conception this way? When when you get pregnant, the Lord visited you. The Lord visited you. That's why you ought to be thankful when you get pregnant, because some people can't. Somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. Some folks can't. Some women can. But when you do, the Lord visited you, Lindsay. She's sitting there with big old stomachs. I had to say that. (laughs) Mommy, when you get pregnant, the Lord visited you. Look at verse 22, because I'm determined I'm going to finish this. Look at verse 22. Now, Eli was what? Very old. And he heard everything his sons did to all. Notice this. His sons did to all Israel. And how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And so he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, They did not, come on, y'all read it with me, heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to judge them or kill them. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with both the Lord and men. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear the ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I commanded in my dwelling place and honor your sons more than me? To make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, 
I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. Stop right there, saints. Let's get some context here. Eli is very old. Chapter 4, you look it up in your own time, but chapter 4 tells us that he dies at the age of 98 and heard that all his sons did to all of Israel and how they lay with the women who, notice the Bible uses the word, assembled at the door of the tabernacle. This word assembled means to fall into ranks or they fell into ranks. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.